The following message is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe can be found at axechurchleander.com. We are going to be hanging out in both the Old Testament and the New Testament today. Uh, with the slides the way they are, we can't do it quite as effectively as we were before, so you're going to want to grab your Bibles or your Bible apps on your phone. But we are going to be in Jeremiah 29, we are going to be in Daniel chapter 1, and we are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2, if you want to follow along with us. Before we do, uh, let's jump in with a little bit of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God. You are a God who has plans for us. Lord, every person in this room, uh, every child that, that's heading to kids' ministry, Lord, you have a calling on their life. Lord, you designed them, and you designed them to be a blessing wherever they go. Father God, I pray that uh, as we encounter your word today, Lord, you embolden us, Lord, to be agents of your love, your goodness, and your hands and feet to a world that desperately needs to know who you are and how much you love them. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. All right, beautiful. So we're going to be hanging out uh, in the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at our continued series called Vocational Training. And the idea of vocation is a word for holy calling. And when we start looking through Scripture, what you realize is that God has a holy calling designed specifically and uniquely for you. But how that holy calling works and how we actually operate in that can get a little confusing, especially when times get hard. When, when the world seems to be falling apart, when, when things don't seem to be going well for us or for our family or, or for our country, it can be easy to figure, to start to think, maybe I'm doing something wrong. But what we see in Scripture is that no matter what circumstance you're in, God has a design for you. And you see this really clearly in the Old Testament, where even when Israel, the people of God, the nation of Israel, those who wrestle with God, and I love that because I think all of us wrestle with God sometimes, God still had a plan for them. And what's unique about the Old Testament, and especially where we're going to be hanging out today, is we're going to be looking at two books, but three books in total, that all happened at the same time. Second Kings is the history of Israel. So from Genesis to 2 Kings, you're mostly getting the history of what God did through and for the people of Israel. And at the end of 2 Kings, the people of Israel had forgotten God. Well, they kind of had forgotten God. They still believed in him. They'd still go to church on Sunday or temple, as they would call it. But they also had other gods. So they were kind of playing the field a little bit. Like, okay, yes, totally Yahweh, he's our guy on Saturdays. But then, maybe on Mondays, we're going to start trusting in other things. Military power. Literal other gods from the surrounding nation. Their own wealth, their own grandeur. And God had told them, he said, guys, as long as you rely on me, I will protect you, I will provide for you. I'll give you a land flowing with milk and honey. But if you start to rely on other gods, well, then you're going to have to rely on those gods to protect you, those gods to provide for you. And those gods provided no protection because they weren't real gods. They were man-made images, man-made ideas. 
that would never be able to provide and protect for his people. He said, there's going to be consequences if you trust in those other gods. And eventually they said, you know what? No, 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 we're good with that. We're good with playing the field. And so 2 Kings tells the story of how Babylon, the nation of Babylon, would come and take over Israel. And the people were sent into exile. Exile wasn't quite slavery. Right? This isn't what was happening back in 1600s, 1700s in America. But it was forced indentured service. And typically what nations would do, if they were taking you into exile, they took the best of you. And so they would go and they would say, let's find the best looking. Let's find the smartest. Let's find the artisans and the craftsmen and the woodworkers. Let's bring the best people from this country and we are going to force them to live in our country. And 2 Kings tells the history of that. But then you get to Jeremiah and Jeremiah is living through the time of 2 Kings and it gives God's perspective of what's happening. It's God's narration of why these things are happening to the people of Israel. And, and there's this debate that's happening in, let's see if this works. Uh, oh, can we get to that first slide? I think I screwed that up. There we go. Better? There we go. Sweet. Sorry. We're learning together. Uh, Jeremiah 28 says this. Go and tell Hanayah. This is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden oak, but in its place you will get put on a yoke of iron. Then he said to the prophet Jeremiah, who then said to Hananiah the prophet, Listen, the Lord has not sent you, yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. You see, there were false prophets at that time. And those false prophets were telling the nation of Israel, Hey, this is hard times. But don't worry, God's still got your back. Don't worry those who are going to exile. God's still in control. Don't worry about this hardship because it's going to be really, really temporary. And God sends his true prophet Jeremiah and he says, no, 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 this is not temporary, guys. They're, they're lying to you. They're trying to make you feel good about a broken situation. That this isn't the plan. This was so much not the plan that God actually had those prophets killed. A year later, the one who was saying, hey guys, everything's going to be okay. Exile isn't really going to happen. They were dead. But the good news is that God doesn't just end it there. He didn't say, well, you trusted in other gods and now you're just up the creek. Instead, he says, I've got a plan. Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage so that they may, not, so that they may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers there. Do not increase. God says, when you go to exile, don't just be looking back. God says, I have a place for you. I have a plan for this. 
build houses, live your life. Build a foundation here because God wasn't done with them even in exile. God wasn't done with them even in a broken world, in a broken situation where they were living out the consequences of their own sin. God wasn't finished. But if that's crazy, and that is crazy good news, the next thing gets a little weird. Gets a little countercultural. Jeremiah continues on, but also, God says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Think how radical that is. God tells his people, I'm going to carry you into exile, the consequence of your sin, of your rebellion. And those people who took you from your homes, that country that beat your country, seek their prosperity. Pray for them. Seek good for them. Be a blessing to them. God says, even in exile, I want you to model a posture of love and of blessing. To seek the peace and the prosperity of cultures even beyond your own. Because through that, God is going to do something awesome. Which then sets up a verse that a lot of us know, Jeremiah 29.11. We're going to read it in a second. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Beautiful words, but those words, which so often as Christians we can look at and be like, God wants good things for me. He wants me to be happy and wealthy and wise. And sometimes that's his plan. But that's not what that scripture is talking about. Instead, it's set in this context that we live in a broken world, that broken things happen, sometimes because of the consequence of our own sin, sometimes just because the world's broken. But regardless, God's still moving. Again, Jeremiah continues on. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that they encourage them, or they encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Yet when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. God directly connects being in exile with how he is going to bless and prosper and care for his people. How God is going to bless and prosper and care for his world. There is such deep biblical truth there. 
that no matter what situation we're in, God has a calling for you, he has a calling for me, that unlike the rest of the world, when the foundations are being shook, whether it's the economy, whether it's country fighting country, whatever it is, unlike the rest of the world, we can have peace to know that our God is still moving for us, that our God is still for us. I told you there were three stories that happened simultaneously in this time in Scripture. Second Kings gives us the history. Jeremiah gives us God's perspective of what's happening. But then there's the story of Daniel. Daniel was born in Jerusalem. He was born in a time of prosperity. And then because of the consequence of sin of his parents in their generation, not his generation, his parents' generation, because of the consequence of that sin, Daniel and some of his friends, they're carried off into exile. And so all of a sudden you go from this macro history level, from God's perspective, to how Daniel lives in exile. And it's a really cool story. Daniel chapter 1. Then the king of Babylon ordered his counselor, the chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, the best of the best, going into exile, being forced to serve in the king's court. To serve in the king's palace, it says. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from his table, and they were trained for three years, and after that they were, enter, they were to enter into the king's service. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal wine and food, and he asked the chief official for permission not to deny defile himself in this way. Okay, there's a lot going on here. So Daniel's taken into captivity and he is told to learn the language, read the literature, which is both the culture and the religion of the Babylonian people. So they didn't have books like we have books today. Anything that was written down was either an economical issue, how much wheat was bought, or it was a religious issue. And so when it talks about the literature, Daniel was literally told, learn our religion. Learn our language. Work for us. And Daniel in exile does all of those things. He's like, all right, I'll do it. I will adapt in all these ways. But then this weird thing happens. He says, I'll do all of that, but I'm not going to eat or drink the food from the king's table. Why is that so important? The reason why that's so important is that in ancient times, they believed the king was a god. Little g-god, but a god nonetheless. And so one of the ways that you would worship this god, you would worship the king, is all the food was put on the king's table as a way to symbolize all of this comes from him. And then the king would bless it, and then you would eat that food as a way to worship this king, this God king. And that's where Daniel 
draws the line. He says, I'll learn your language. I'll live in exile. I'll serve you. I'll be a blessing to you. I will live out Jeremiah 29, but I will not. As a God follower, I cannot worship the gods that you worship. I can't trust in the God King. I'm going to keep my trust in Yahweh. I'm going to keep my trust in the God of Scripture. Do you see that difference there? That he lived out his holy calling, not by fighting, not by rebelling, but by saying, I'll live in the world. I'll learn the world's ways. I'll learn their language. I'll have a role here. But what's going to make me different is that my ultimate trust, my ultimate faith is in the God that I believe in. He had a holy calling, even in exile, even in a broken world. And what's so amazing is that Daniel is blessed in that country. He becomes the king's number two prophet because He's not trusting in the things of the world, but he's still trusting in the God he believes in. In Acts Church, as we talk about as Christians, how we live in a world that's broken. And it's easy to see how the world's broken, right? This last year, tons of evidence. Yeah, there's some stuff going on that's not right. It can be easy to despair. It can be so easy to fall into the thinking that, you know what? If this specific thing doesn't happen, we're done. What we see throughout history is that, no, God is never done. And in fact, when we get to the New Testament in the apostles, they directly tie the role of the church to the exiles in the Old Testament. This comes from Peter, chapter 2, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against the war for your soul. Dear church, Acts Leander, as sojourners, as foreigners, as exiles in this physical world, he says, don't buy into the trust and the hope of the world. Don't buy into what the world is going to tell you is going to make you safe and comfortable and secure. We as Christians know our security comes from Christ and Christ alone. We sang that song just a couple minutes ago. Grace alone. God's favor alone in Jesus. That's the firm foundation that we stand on. That even when it's raining, even when the storm is going, that we know our foundation will be secure. So we're, we're sojourners and we're exiles, but he doesn't end there. He doesn't just say, so just survive. Just hold on until Christ comes back. No, he goes farther. Continuing on, he says, live good lives among the, live such good lives among the pagans. Though they accuse you of doing wrongdoing, they will see your good deeds and they will glorify God on the day he visits. He doesn't call Christians out of the world. He says, use your good works. Be a blessing to the world, even when the world isn't blessing you, even when the world doesn't understand you. Be a blessing. 
that when they ask, why are you different? We can respond with integrity. We can respond with our foundation well, because of him. Because of the cross, I have a holy calling. Because of who Jesus is and what he went through for me, he then sends me out to be that to every single person I encounter. When we're doing our job, whether that's as a teacher or a nurse or an electrician or a data entry person, whatever it is, to say, in this moment, God wants me to be a blessing to every single person I encounter. We have a big God. We have a God who uses every moment, designs every moment that we as his children can have an impact that points back to him. But if that's, if, if that's revolutionary, what Peter says next blows my mind. Because he goes on and he says, Submit yourselves to the Lord, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether it's the emperor as the supreme authority or governors who are sent by him to punish those who wrong and do, uh, commend those who do right. For it's God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk among uh, foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's servants. Show respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That last word is insane. Honor the emperor. This is during the time of Nero. You know who Nero was? Nero was literally insane. Nero burned down Rome and blamed Christians. Have you ever heard about fiddling your fingers while Rome burns? That's Nero. Nero put us in Colosseums and sent beasts after us. Nero tried to turn the world against us. And Peter doesn't say, go to war. Peter doesn't say, stand your ground. Peter says, God can use even this for his glory and his excellence, so continue to do good, continue to be a blessing, continue to live out a holy calling, the holy calling God has placed in your life to be his agents because we do not trust in the world. We don't trust in emperors. We don't have to trust in the broken, fickle things that happen on our globe. Instead, we are privileged, we are honored, we are emboldened to have a holy calling that even among the wreckage, points back to who our God is in Jesus and what he is doing in our lives. I spent a lot of nights this week thinking through this message. 
it, it is really cool to be back in the building, to see people's reaction in person. I am so thankful for it. But this building, this gathering, we're still exiles. But we're life-giving exiles. And no matter where we go, whether it's on the lawn, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether we're hanging out at the uh, Spanish food market next door or we're in school, we have an opportunity to be this little agent of life no matter where we go. And in living out our holy calling, we get to point back to the Jesus that we have, the God that we have. I'm going to invite Tanner up. We are going to uh, sing our next song, which is going to be quite uh, Jesus-centric. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to pray. Uh, and uh, we'll continue on with service. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. You are a God who, whether it's raining out, whether the sun's out, Lord, whether uh, we're living in clearly exile times or the, the, everything's going right, Lord, you still have a holy calling on our life. Lord God, we pray that you continue to mold us and shape us and embolden us to live that out no matter what circumstances come. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.